0: Welcome to Top 5, a show where we count things down from number 5 to number 1. And this week, maybe a little bit controversial for some people. You know, it's okay not to like something that's popular. Uh, It's also okay to uh, like something that is not popular. But we've already done an episode. I think it was our... um, We did a show where it was movies that everyone else hates that we like. And so this week, we're flipping the script and doing Top 5 movies that we dislike... But everyone else loves top five movies that we dislike that everyone else loves. And Matthew, we're going to let you go first this week. I'm the leader. And the only reason why is because one of my also rants was Shawshank Redemption. And I know you like that movie a whole lot. I do love that movie. Uh, And so that's what uh, said, oh, maybe we should have Matthew go first.
2: Because you're, you're going to mock my movies?
0: No, no, I'm not mocking your movies. I said that I knew that th- this yeah. one was on my also-ran list, and that made me think, oh, Matthew likes this movie. Why don't we have Matthew That's go true. first? All right.
2: Well, it, this was actually a very difficult
0: one for it me. It is a very hard one.
2: As contrarian as I am, if it's a movie that I feel like I don't like, I'm I'm not going to see it. So what I did was I actually went and I went through the list of the 100 most beloved movies in the universe, actually a couple of them, and I finally found some movies where I'm like, yeah, I had, yeah, no, okay, we're good. So I have a list, and my number five is weird because, first of all, it's a musical, which I love. It's a romantic comedy, which, you know, might as well be my whole jam. Um, If it had teenage emos in it, I'd be sold, but it even stars an actress that I have this, you know, abounding crush on. Uh, I, I've always loved Emma Stone. I think Emma Stone is just amazing. But for some reason, my number five, La La Land, fails for me on every level. And I don't know what it is. I mean, it's not, it's not that I hate Ryan Gosling, although I can take him or leave him. And it's not necessarily, you know, the the ouroboros of... You know, uh, Hollywood making a movie about how hard it is to be in Hollywood and then winning an Academy Award from people in Hollywood who totally feel their movie about Hollywood. I just I I don't know what it is about this movie. I've tried to watch it. I actually sat all the way through it once and I just couldn't. I mean, I kept being like, oh, oh, and I've gotten back, you know, and tried to watch it again. And I'm just like, now. I, I, I put effort into trying to like this movie because it won an Academy Award. It, it should be a movie that's my jam. It's, it's a movie that stars someone I like, and I am just can't. I, it's not even that I dislike it. It's just that it it does not appeal to me in any way, and I don't know exactly what that is. But my number five is La La Land, which may or may not have won an Oscar now that I think about it. Wasn't there a whole thing about the wrong envelope?
3: I think it did win at least one Academy Award, but one Academy Award that it didn't get because they misread the envelope or or they got the wrong envelope. So that that Academy Award went to Moonlight, I believe. That sounds right.
0: Yeah. Uh, It looks like it. Let's see. This lists awards. Now, I don't know if this is they won the award or they were up for it, but it won for Best Actress, Best Original Score, it says La La Land Academy Awards, awards, best actress, best original score, best director, best cinematography, best production design, best picture, best actor, best sound mixing, best original screenplay, mm-hmm. best film editing, best sound editing, and best costume design. Now that's just on the, on the search. So maybe that is, yeah. um, you know, yeah, that,
2: apparently it was, it was up for best picture and was incorrectly announced. Uh, Faye Dunaway so maybe had these the, were just the, the, uh,
0: the nominations. So there you go. Yes. All right. I, so I can see that. Um, For me, I did not know that uh, the actress in question had a pronounced lisp. It wasn't until Mm -hmm. after I started watching this, I was like, wow, this is very pronounced lisp. I I guess I've never noticed it before. And so that was kind of a a distraction for me.
2: Emma Um, Emma has always had that. And she has, you know, she has the very deep voice. Apparently when she was a baby child, she had colic and it gave her the deep voice. And I think sometimes depending on who she's playing, Uh, I I read it as more of a sizzle because I have the same thing in in my speech pattern. But, yeah, depending on whether or not you're paying attention to it, it can be really a thing.
0: My number five is one that maybe a lot of people don't like it because I did look to see. It's one that I've never really understood why so many people appear to be gaga over this movie. Um, But then when I went and looked at, like, the Rotten Tomatoes reading, it's barely over 50%. Of people who really, really enjoy this movie. Now, Ghostbusters, the original, uh, is a fantastic Mm -hmm. movie. It's got just the right mix of horror and humor to make it worthwhile. But Ghostbusters 2 makes very little sense. It doesn't follow up from what happened previously in a really um, uh, convincing way. And then it just kind of replays a lot of the the hits from the first movie saying, hey, remember when we did this in the first movie, we're going to do it again. Yet most of the toys and most of the games, in fact, the Lego Ghostbusters Firehouse that they released, I don't want to say like 8, 10 years ago, something like that, is based on the Ghostbusters 2 uh, Firehouse. Because they've got some hidden things and the, uh, what's his name, the Carpathian or whatever the villain is.
3: Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah, Vigo.
0: I saw this movie in the theater once, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know why everybody's going crazy over this movie. It's 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 not that good, and I really really dislike it." Yet, a lot of people are just like, "Oh no, man, Ghostbusters is so good. Ghostbusters two is so good." And I'm just like, "I don't see it." And maybe if this is your favorite movie that you really love, maybe you can just uh, fire off a quick email to me and say, "Hey." Let me uh, let me uh, school you on why Ghostbusters 2 is really a good movie and why everyone loves Ghostbusters 2 because I I don't. I'm sorry. Uh Rodrigo, what do you have for your your number 5?
3: So my number 5 is number 5 because actually it's a very divisive movie. There's lots of people that really really like it, lots of people that really don't like it. But in my online circles, the vast majority of people like it. People that I uh people that are like in my age group, people that are younger, people that are a little bit older, they seem to really like this movie. Um and that's the last Jedi. But I hate it. I I really really did not like the last Jedi. And I think it comes from uh this uh kind of this thing where like uh I I I I've been hurt by comic books. <laughs> oh. Um when when you get a new creative team in a comic and they spend the majority of the comic undoing what the previous uh creative team did that's literally the last jedi they spend 2 hours where by the end of it there's a brand new status quo so we just spend the entire the entirety of the last jedi undoing what the force awakens did right Um, And it's like, I feel like we get to the end of The Last Jedi, and it's like, okay, now, like, the movie can start, because we're back to the status quo that uh, Ryan Johnson wanted, and, of course, then we go to uh, Return of the Mac, or whatever the last one was called, Um, and, and, you know, of course, the status quo set up by The Last Jedi is immediately undone. Um, It's... uh, it's not popular to not like The Last Jedi because there's a lot of, uh, I believe the technical term is chodes out there <laughs> who are, you know, racist and misogynist and really don't like it because of uh, the Rose character and because of Finn. Um, and it's unfortunate because anytime there's like a discussion about The Last Jedi, I I go over and I sit with the didn't like it side and sure enough, somebody is like, I hated that, you know, they gave any lines to an Asian person. And I'm like, oh, my god!" I'm just like, I just want to like talk about this movie based on its merits. Um, and it's hard because when I talk to uh, like the nice people, like the nice group of people that I've cultivated online, they all <laughs> love it. Um, and I don't want to talk to the to the jerks about it either. So I'm always kind of stuck uh, between a rock and a hard place, or a racist place, yeah, uh, mm. where the last Jedi is concerned.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's it's kind of like the Ghostbusters too. It's kind of like almost a fifty fifty split. It feels like, yeah, uh, between fans, where it's just like half the people really despise that movie, and half the people are like, "No, this is a great movie." So
2: now is that the one with Luke in the desert,
0: just where, like where Luke holding is holding
2: off at with with one y- lightsaber?
3: Yep, yep. Well, and like that okay. salt
2: desert. Yeah, yeah. I rather enjoy that
3: sequence. I mean, they, there's lo- I mean, there's lots of good stuff. There's lots of good stuff in this movie. There's lots of interesting stuff in this movie. But as it turns out, a lot of the stuff that I like is stuff that a lot of people don't like. You know, I just mm-hmm. like I'm just backwards. I, I, I just Mandela'd affect my way into a different dimension <laughs> where The Last Jedi is concerned.
0: All right. <laughs> let us move on to our number fours. And Matthew, what do you have for number four?
2: My number four is actually going to get me um, ostracized by one of my close friends. Uh, Otter Disaster just adores this movie, always has. Yeah, but Otter's not everyone. I didn't say that. I said uh, Otter Jam live in concert. (laughs) Okay. First and foremost, shut up. It's a great album. Secondly, you know, 1993. Four, I don't know, was a long time ago, but 1998 was not quite so long ago. And this is another movie where I feel like all the pieces and parts are there for me to love my number four, Rushmore. Uh, First of all, it's directed by Wes Anderson, and I really love Symmetry. Uh, It stars one of the people from Scott Pilgrim before he was in Scott Pilgrim, and I love that dude. I don't remember his name right off the top of my head. Uh, What's his name with the face and the thing? The guy that Uh, played Superman
0: or the guy that played Green Lantern?
2: The guy that played Gideon. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman. Um, but it's it's got a lot of really, I mean, it, of course, it's a Wes Anderson movie, so it's got Bill Murray. And it's got a lot of really interesting bits and pieces. Basically, our main character is a 15-year-old in private school. And he's kind of a, you know, a terrible person, not quite to Napoleon dynamite levels of out of touch with reality, but very much that, you know, that Wes Anderson eccentric character, you know, he's not like dating his sister or living through table tennis, but he's definitely one of those characters. And as Max, he's, you know, wandering through the universe and trying to find himself and it totally resonates thematically with things that i love but for some reason i just i i I can't i can't stand this movie um it's got not whale but his brother you know the guy i mean you know wow the the blonde guy who says wow and then his brother who says star girl go hide in the garage it's the brother ryan reynolds uh uh, owen wilson do
3: you know
0: anyone yeah i do Uh,
3: okay Ryan I mean, Reynolds to, doesn't to even be have fair, a brother. You're kind of him, giving mom descriptions to, uh, of these people. <laughs> but if you turn hey, those
0: I upside see. down, Rodrigo, they're wow descriptions.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. You know the guy from Loki who was on Loki like five minutes ago? Yeah, that guy. That's Owen Wilson's brother. No, wait. Maybe this is Owen Wilson. That was Owen know. Wilson. Okay. So that was Owen Wilson. You're so thinking he's of... the one that's in Rushmore.
3: Oh, okay. Luke okay. Wilson's the one that's in Royal Tenenbaums. Right. And also the one that's in Stargirl. Right. Okay, so
2: now I'm with you. No nobody else on the panel will watch Stargirl. There's like two people out there. I'm sure NATO is like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Matthew, and that's why NATO is always going to be awesome. but Rushmore just i I don't know, and Bruce loves it. I mean, Otter has like this this pyramid of movies, and at the top is Rushmore, and then um. Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension, which I adore with him equally, and then you know, like Kashern Robot Hunter or something. But I just Dude. I've I've never been able to get into this movie, and it's not even a he watched it so much that I hated it thing. It's just I don't know, you know. And Wes Anderson films are usually my jam. I watched Isle of Dogs with the Widget, and we were both just. Fascinated, We watched it like three or four times, just analyzing it and breaking it down and having them point at the screen and go, Oh my God, he centered everything again. And I'm like, yeah, Steven pointed that out and ruined all Wes Anderson movies for me. So (laughs) my number four Rushmore, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it just, it does not click for me.
0: My, my number four is going to be a fairly short one that a lot of people are going to, going to get mad at. Um, it's, uh, me saying I dislike a, a Pixar film. Uh Oh, and that Pixar film is Ratatouille. Um, I don't care what your theme is that you're trying to get at. I, I don't care if your whole point was to make food look delicious in animated form. There's a rat in the kitchen, and I'm sorry, but if you got a rat or rats in the kitchen, I'm not going <laughs> to eat at your place. I'm probably going to burn down your place. And so Ratatouille, while people love it, I look at it and say, there's a rat in the kitchen. You must get that taken care of now. So there you go. My number four, Ratatouille. Maybe it is your favorite. Maybe you want to explain to me the nuances of what it means to be a struggling artist and people not appreciating your craft or your talent, but you're a rat in a kitchen <laughs> where people eat. So please, if you want to send me an email, send me an email. If it's your favorite movie, I apologize. I just don't care for it. I'm glad you enjoy it. Rodrigo, what is your number four?
3: Uh, Ratatouille almost made my list, I, but I realized I don't feel strongly enough about it. It's like generally just kind of like, eh. I
0: Mecca, too. Yeah, a lot of people do. That's why it's that's why this is the top five movies that you dislike. But everyone else loves.
3: All right. So uh, what are we on for? We are on four. four. Uh, my number four is a movie that I, I feel that there are plenty of people that don't like. But in my generational cohort, this is a movie that came out at just the right time. And everybody watched it and everybody was talking about it and everybody loved it. And that's American Pie um even as a teenager watching american pie i was like this movie's gross (laughs) and that's before anything well i guess like the very first thing that happens is gross but yeah i was just like i don't like any of these characters i don't like the characters that i'm supposed to like Mm -hmm. um you know it's like i've i'm in high school as well, and these guys just seem to be making things harder for themselves than they need to be, um and you also, went to band camp,
0: like and that. none of that stuff happened
3: i mean i'm 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 sure it did for someone, but you know uh, and like also, I'm like nobody looks like that in high school, but like, that's, that's true that's probably okay because you don't want a bunch of teenagers in your sex farce. Um, so you know. Um, yeah, I mean, American Pie is kind of a cultural touchstone. And yeah. fortunately, I feel that that has its its influence has sort of been watered down since then because there for a long time everybody was trying to make the next American pie. Like the like the porky style uh sex comedy. Thing, kind of got a shot in the arm with American Pie, and then it, it unnaturally shambled forward until, like, 2010. So um, I do not like this movie. And, of course, um, as punishment for some past life or uh, some other sin, uh, I do sometimes have to watch it at work because one of my clients does like it. So every once in a while I have to sit down and watch American Pie and shut up. So what are you going to do?
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, Which brings us to our number three, our kind of midpoint of our list. Matthew, what do you have for your number three?
2: My number three was the most difficult slot to fill because I have... Two movies that I knew had to be on the list because I just hate them, hate them, hate them until they box them up and create them. And then I had two where I was like, yeah, these are definitely movies. They just aren't for me. But then it was in between. And I was like going down the list of 100 films. And for a while, it matched the list of films that I'm almost certain you were using to choose Zach
0: on films. I can guarantee to you it is not. I bet it is. but here's. I guarantee thing. you really it is not, Matthew. Okay. It was very similar.
2: It had many of the same films. I'm I'm sure. But nonetheless. Okay. You good? Am I good? You good? Okay. As I went through the list and we got into that run of movies that we watched on Zach on film, I remembered there were two movies from Zach on film that I hated. One was all about me. and has nothing to do with anybody else. And the other was my number three, The Social Network. I hate this movie. I love Aaron Sorkin. I love David Fincher. I even enjoy uh, Jesse Eisenberg in things. I've seen Zombieland 2 multiple times. And I like that thing that, that Jesse Eisenberg does where he gets really nervous and he talks really fast and he kind of stammers and everything's kind of like that. I enjoy that. The Social Network is a movie that I hate. And I don't know if it's because of the subject matter and the quasi reality of the people in that subject matter. I don't know if it's the fact that the movie is designed to make us feel bad for these people who I don't feel like earn feeling bad. You know, we get to the end of the movie and I feel like I'm being told you should feel really bad for this character. You know, all he really wants is for someone to be his friend on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, but, but, but the previous two hours, and I don't know, everything about this movie, again, feels like it should hit a sweet spot for me. You know, it's kind of nerdy. It's kind of, you know, Aaron Sorkin-y, which means the dialogue is all crisp and wild and, you know, all over the place. But for some reason, I just, oh, well, I cannot stand this movie, and I don't ever want to see it again. And when I see it, I'm running around cable. I'm just like, oh, run away, run away quickly. Never, ever look at the social network. My number three. All
0: right. Uh, My number three, Matthew and I last week, for those of you who are uh, patrons over at (laughs) patreon.com slash major spoilers on Thursday nights, Matthew and I sit down and we record the dueling review podcast live for our VIP members. So if you are a VIP member, if you're a Patreon member at the silver level and higher, then you need to connect your Patreon account over to the discord channel and we'll come on and we'll record the show live and uh we use stages so if people want to ask questions you're free to you know raise your hand and ask a question uh but we also do a lot of chit chat kind of like the major spoilers pre-show um and we do a lot of chit chat with um the people in in the chat room just hanging out for you know 20 30 minutes either before or after the show uh just talking to everybody and i think it was last week or maybe the week before depending on when you're listening to this hello future people um we were talking about my dislike of the um the gore porn slasher films, you know, the House of a Thousand Corpses and and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that kind of stuff. And while House of a Thousand Corpses is one that is probably more of a let's level up what has come before. And I'm sure there are, are you know, slasher films uh, that have uh, come before my number three. But my number three kind of ends up becoming the beginning of the slasher film. Um, I don't want to say genre, but maybe genre. And that's Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. And I I, I don't like it because of the slasher nature of, of the film. But then the more I look into criticisms over the last couple of years, it becomes clear that the other problem that I have with Psycho, and then that gets um, moved forward into things like Silence of the Lambs and other films is the portrayal of the villain as a, as a trans character, as a transvestite in the case of, of, um, in psycho where, you know, he dresses up as his mother and he commits these crimes. And even at the end of the movie, uh, you know, they try to lock him away because he's a transvestite. And then the, uh, psychiatrist or whoever that's there is like, well, it's not just that it's all because of these other things as well. And, the only answer for someone who doesn't conform to these binary terms that are so prevalent of the sixties is to lock that person away. And then when we, you know, jump forward into, um, uh, silence of the lambs, we have a person who is killing women and literally wearing their skin as clothing, uh, as well as a bunch of other things. And that has over the, I would probably say maybe the last decade or so really come to bother me that, Uh, Trans people are portrayed as the villains a lot in in movies, whether it's for a laugh or whether it's for a commentary or whether it's just to, you know, lock that weird, you know, in quotes, weird person away. That's kind of bothersome to me. And so every time I've sat down to watch Psycho, it's not only the, the slasher nature of the film that puts me off, but it's also this. Is this the point? And I'm sure it's not the point. But is this where we look at the psychotic person and also equate them to uh, being trans and saying that then putting that mind, that idea into people's minds that trans people are are bad and bad for society? And I just don't like that. So that's the reason why Psycho is at my number three. It may be your favorite movie if it is your favorite movie and you want to tell me why I'm mistaken please send me an email. If it's your favorite one, great. I'm glad you like it. I just don't care for it. So that's my number three. Um, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three?
3: My number three, I also dislike for uh kind of social um, stigma type reasons. Um, I've, I've watched this movie a lot. Um, partially because of my job and just because it's very popular and people are always watching it or putting it on or talking about it. Um, if you want to talk about a movie that has had a lasting effect, um, you can always talk about Forrest Gump. Mm, and mm-hmm. the issue that I have with Forrest Gump is that it really kind of uh A, it has this like very roast colored glasses look at uh the decades that it covers um and the other thing is that it really distances or outright erases a lot of the uh minorities involved in during that time mm-hmm. um the, you can go with like the very simple and you know maybe not all that relevant thing like it was Forrest Gump that taught Elvis Presley to do his little dance as opposed to Elvis Presley stole this dance from you know black performers. Right. So it's like right there, it kind of like creates this soft focus patch for something that was actually, you know, a racist thing that happened. Um, The uh, when he is uh, I forget what the show is, but when he's there with John Lennon, they literally put uh, Tom Hanks over Yoko Ono. Like they literally Mm -hmm. put him on top of an Asian person um, and and erased her. Uh, and then I, I'm always like super uncomfortable uh, in the scene where he goes to the Black Panther Party. Um, it's like it's like here's the Black Panther Party in its original incarnation. and it's just a backdrop for his thing with Jenny. Um, there's a guy who like comes over and just starts yelling at him, even though he's clearly not pa- paying attention. And it's like, is I'm like, is this how? Like, is this how people see the the struggle? Like, is this like just like a a random black dude in a beret yelling at you while you're trying to like get something else accomplished? Is that what is that what this is supposed to tell me? It's rough. Um, you know, there's lots of little things in Forrest Gump where um, it uh, trivializes or just kind of uh, sweetens up. Uh, dark moments in American history, right? Um, and that's not entirely a bad thing, but the more, like, the older I get and the more I learn about American history, the more I chafe at Forrest Gump. It's like, Forrest Gump is, like, too sweet now. It's like, I I can't watch it because it, it seems like it's actively trying to convince me that history was actually not as bad as it was where very frequently it was worse.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. Thank you, Rodrigo. Okay. We are in our top twos. So Matthew, please share your number two with us. My number two was almost an entire trilogy.
2: And then I said to myself, is that cheating? And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, of the trilogy, the first movie's okay. The second movie is uh, like universally lauded. And the third one is kind of trash. So instead of the entire trilogy, My number two is 2008's The Dark Knight, which is routinely lauded as the greatest Batman movie ever put on film. And people tell me how wonderful and perfect it is and how everything about it is a a perfect little snowflake that cannot be questioned for any reason. And I think the main reason for that is the tragic death of the character or the actor playing the best character in the film, Heath Ledger. Uh, His Joker is amazing. I do enjoy his Joker. I do not understand why people want to be or emulate his Joker. I don't understand why so many people feel like we needed, based on that, to have a standalone film for the Joker. And I don't understand why, after seeing this movie, people still try to argue, why is the Joker not the hero of the piece? But... That's you know those are all secondary concerns to sitting down and watching a movie. That okay, here's a Batman movie. I will admit to you, it has some lovely set pieces. I feel like the music is phenomenal. There are some excellent actors in this film, but it's also overloaded. Um, like so many modern superhero movies, it has too many characters. It has too many sort of kind of villains running around. It has the whole. Business with Harvey Dent, and I'm not sure what that's all about. It has a lot of things in there that I feel like are there for set pieces so that, you know, we, the comics fans, can go, hey, it's that guy or it's that concept or it's that thing. And I'm always down for that. I mean, that's some of my favorite parts of movies. I don't know why it drives me so nuts when they do it in The Dark Knight. And I think what it really comes down to uh, is Christopher Nolan. That's the only thing I can figure out. There's there's just something about it. It feels like it, it feels like I'm being told a story that I should enjoy. But because I'm having this this conversation, a one-on-one conversation with a person whose voice or demeanor bothers me, I can't get past that voice and or demeanor to actually appreciate the story that's being told. It's like And I, I work customer service for a living and I can have people call up and, you know, from the very first sound of their voice, this is going to be tough, you know, from the edge, you know, from, you know, the tone, you know, from the, Oh, well, let's try this again. And I feel like from the very first scenes of the dark night, I get that feeling that on edge feeling of, Oh this is a movie that wants to pick a fight with me. And I don't know. I mean, normally I love Christian Bale in things. I don't like him as Batman. Uh, I think he's amazing in uh, Ford v. Ferrari, if you've ever seen that thing. Um, I feel like Christian Bale is one of those actors who is just utterly into everything stanislavski into the core and you don't go hey it's that guy who played patrick bateman you go Ooh, this is a cool character michael Caine is amazing everybody loves michael Kane. i don't know if you know that everybody loves you know your your uh, what's his name lucius fox your morgan freeman everybody loves maggie gyllenhaal at least you know more than her brother i don't know what it is about this movie everything about it should work nothing about it does and that's why The Dark Knight is my number
0: two. Let me ask you a question did Did you mm. um, did you enjoy The Long Halloween? Yeah, because uh, I, was I, watching, I, mean, I was watching. I was watching uh, that. That's the Tim Sale Jeff Loeb uh, joint. Um, yeah, I remember. I was I was just finished up uh, part two this week. The second part of the animated adaptation of The Long Halloween came out, and mm. it got me thinking about everything that was in that, and literally how much is just literally lifted from the long halloween and just slapped down on uh the dark knight. It's just it's just like I kind of wish they would have just done the adaptation of of the long halloween granted they would have yeah. had every single villain in there uh but there is just so much of that that is that is lifted whole, you know, whole cloth and dropped yeah. right onto the dark night. I, I was just curious what your thoughts were on that, on that series.
2: I'm a I'm a huge Lobe sale fan in the early days. I mean, there are Challengers of the Unknown from like 89-90 is amazing. But you know, it hasn't aged well either. And I feel like there's a possibility that you have a grain of something there because all of the Lobe sale works that I enjoy or once enjoyed, I feel like when I revisit them, don't quite age. Superman for all seasons has not aged well. Um, uh, look at the stars to see how they shine for daredevil. Yellow hasn't aged. Well, I didn't really care for Spider-Man blue from the beginning, but th- it's a possibility that maybe it's a story that I had seen before or that I, you know, had seen in another aspect and it just felt like they were cannibalizing it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Cause I would really, I mean, if, if you didn't like the original run of that, uh, you know if yeah. you didn't like the 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 long halloween and you were like right. no i just don't care for that then i would be like ah well that might be you know the mm-hmm. crux of of where you come from on that um because i have a feeling that most people and when i say most people i mean everyone who <laughs> went to see the dark Knight had probably not read uh, the long Halloween before that. Before that uh, movie came out, twenty people had read the long. I'm Halloween. sure it's a little bit more than that because it is very popular. But you know when when we look <laughs> at when we look at the majority of uh, people who go to the theater, very few of <laughs> those people uh, long cross Halloween over into that. Even sixty
2: thousand copies, and you know that movie's yeah. had millions and yeah. millions of tickets.
0: All right. Uh, we are up to my number two and my number two, again, another one that people are just like, Oh no, this is a fantastic movie. This is one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, it's John Ford. So therefore it must be perfect. And from the very first time I sat down to watch the searchers, I was like, what is this racist POS movie? And I'm saying (laughs) racist POS movie because, uh, this was when this was back in the eighties or maybe early nineties when I was in college and we were forced to watch this. And I was like, is this how they portray native Americans? And then you you kind of follow along, and it's like, well, it's got John Wayne in it, so it's got to be good, right? Well, John Wayne is a Confederate uh, general, lieutenant, something. He was in the he was in the Confederate Army, and he's a loser. And so then he has to go and live with his uh, brother and his and his wife, and his motto is basically any good Indian is a dead Indian. You know, I'm paraphrasing that that quote from I forget who actually said it, but that's that's basically John Wayne's character. And even though F- I think Ford is trying to say. And trying to portray the Native Americans as in a not racist way, he still does unintentionally, including using white actors, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, painted up to look like Native Americans. And then this whole thing where it's like, I'll kill anybody who has even a drop of Indian blood. I'm I'm using Indian in the way that Wayne would refer to it in the movies. Uh, You know, I, I will kill anybody that has a drop of Indian blood in them. And then, of course, he has to come to this conclusion. Do I kill my... My niece who has gone, you know, uh, gone in and started living with the Native American tribe or do I not? And, you know, that's his big dilemma. Do I oversee my racism because this is somebody that that I love and I know deep down is also is also white like me? And it's just like, what the heck is this message that you are trying to portray in this movie? It is just horrible from top to bottom. And yet people are just like, oh, no this really shows the conflict of man. No, it doesn't. It shows a racist who's being racist the entire time. Uh, This really shows how the Comanches are not trying. They're only giving what they get. It's like, no, look at who's playing the Comanches and look at how he dresses them in the movies. There's one that is really uh, telling. There's a one shot that made me kind of just laugh and disgust when we watched this in class is these uh, native Americans are wearing the, the bowler hats, which was kind of a, a way to um, mock, Native Americans, um, you know, in comic strips and stuff in the, in the fifties, sixties, and even into the early seventies. And to just see them, you know, kind of portrayed that way with their, with their blankets wrapped around them is just like, no, this is, this is racist. This is, this is awful. And I've known this for 35 years. And every time someone says, Oh, searcher is such a good movie. I can see where from the cinematography standpoint that you're looking at what John Ford is doing, but from the actual story itself, how can you like this story? How can you identify with John Wayne? How can you identify with his struggle of, and it's like, oh, it's a story about revenge. No, it's a story about a racist who's still a racist at the very end of the movie.
2: Mm. So and I feel like
0: during the Zach
2: on film discussion of it, I feel like it was either you or Rodrigo who brought up a point after watching the searchers that still sticks with me. It feels like the movie is trying to justify yeah. the ill mm-hmm. treatment of the native Americans. It's trying to say, look,
0: we killed them because they're evil. Yeah, we killed them because, you know, in specifically John uh, Wayne's character is out yeah. to kill them because he killed his brother.
2: Right. And basically it, it was saying the Indians were not welcoming to, to, you know, other people. And so that justifies genocidal attacks. Yeah.
0: And I'm like, does it? I mean, that's what the movie is trying to portray, that's but you know, movie, yeah. it's, it's, it's rated time. as one of the greatest films of all time. So there you go. Okay, Rodrigo, what, that, what 56, do you 56 57, uh, this would be, uh, 56 is when that movie came out. All right, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two?
3: Uh, my number two is, is the sort of movie that I will constantly grudgingly admit it's a good movie. The sound design is great. The acting is great. The directing is great. It is just so slow and long and boring. And everybody everybody loves this movie. I think people on the panel probably love this movie. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I just like... Anytime I've had to watch it and probably the last time I had to watch it was for Zach on film. A lot of, a lot of Zach on film feelings coming out this, uh, <laughs> this episode. That's probably um, the last time I watched it too. So, yeah. So as, as long as nobody brings up a Tree a tree of life, I think I'll be okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, that
0: no, movie still no. makes me angry.
3: Yeah. Uh, um, so that was all Zach. That's, head. I mean, that's it. That's the thesis, right? It's like, Two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey has all of this like really great stuff, really great special effects that hold up to this day in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. Um, great practical special effects, right? That you can look mm-hmm. at it and say, "How do they accomplish this?" Right? It's an accomplishment in so many ways. It's a cinematic masterpiece, blah blah blah. So long and boring. Just so <laughs> long and so slow, you know. And it doesn't have on top of that. You know, I don't feel like a movie has to have a, like, neatly tied in a bow Hollywood ending to be, um, uh, to be an enjoyable experience, but it helps. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't help that the movie ends in a gigantic baby-shaped question mark, (laughs) right? So it's like yeah, it's like, I just sit there after watching 2001 a space odyssey and it's like, there were parts of that I enjoyed, but they were in the middle of just two, almost three hours of getting to the parts that I kind of enjoyed or getting to the parts where I'm like, Oh, that sound, that, that sound effect is really good. Yeah. This is a
0: movie you could really edit down into a tight, like 75 minutes. And I, Mm -hmm. and still have all the same information and have all the same, you know, big, stunning imagery Um,
2: But you'd be giving giving up some of the stuff. I watched it with Widget just last month, and they said something that I think is very wise. Um, And, of course, you know, this is a 17-year-old who's grown up with the Internet and streaming. They looked at me and said, why didn't they just make this a six-episode limited series on, like, HBO Max? (laughs) And I'm like, because...
0: It, it's a valid question. That's when you sm- feel that's like- when you smack them upside the head and say, Hey, that stuff wasn't around back then. If we wanted to go have entertainment, we went to the movies and we liked it both ways. Yeah. No,
2: I had to, I literally had to explain there's no CGI. They actually shot all
0: that. And men, if I remember, so- if I remember correctly, um, I think, uh, he smashed all of the models after they got their shots done because mm-hmm. he didn't want the studio to come back in and say reshoot anything. If I remember, I think that's the story I remember about this is that's that hardcore. he was so yeah, was dead set on just using the stuff that he wanted. And uh, granted he used everything they shot is what it felt like. Um, my, I, uh, I think he smashed all the models.
3: My, and somebody
2: glued them all together and made the satellite of love.
3: My, my, uh, Crappy Twitter hot take on 2001: A Space Odyssey is that it's a really good Twilight Zone episode, mm-hmm. nestled between, like, nestled in the middle of a really long and boring um Outer Limits episode.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sir Richard Attenborough's. Outer space.
0: All right. I think we have looped all the way back around to Matthew, which brings us to our number ones. So Matthew, what is your number one movie that you dislike that everyone else loves? Kids let's wrap.
3: I
2: am a, I I refer to myself as a comics nerd. uh, And I do that mostly because I don't like to refer to myself as a comics fan because people who say that sometimes are terrible and I don't want to be lumped in with them, but I love the comics and the comic books and you ever have the comic books and you're like, Hey, this is a comic book that we have. And people are like, Hey, you know, what would be great is if we made this into a movie. And I'm like, uh, what it though. Because I mean, a movie is different than a comic book. And, you know, you, you get these things where you take a movie to, you know, and take a comic book, you turn it into a movie and you either lose things or you gain stuff you don't need. And the barnacles just come out of control. So somebody said, you know what we need? We need the most faithful adaptation of a comic book ever made. We need green screens everywhere. We need backgrounds that look like they were drawn by the artist. We need characters who are wearing tons of makeup so that they have the freaky heads that Frank Miller and only Frank Miller draws. You need Sin City. Now here's the thing: I'm not necessarily a fan of Sin City as a concept, but I I agree that the first few Sin City stories are impressive. They are impressive just in terms of sheer craftsmanship, to the point where you can almost look past some of the horrible things that they're almost look past some of the horrible things that they're saying, implying, or inferring. But you also do get to a point where you're like, okay. Had enough of that. And for me, that came about halfway through the stories that comprise the movie, the movie film, colon for theaters, Sin City. And when I watched Sin City, and I've seen you know a couple of times, the, the first thing that really jumped out at me was they just wanted to make this comic. And I'm like, why not animate it? Why not literally animate it instead of torturing Mickey Rourke? for five hours every day to put him in the head. You know, why do you do this? And then, you know, it came to the scene in the strip club where Jessica Alba's jumping around and I'm like, that's why. So, you know, on top of being uncomfortable and horrific and dystopian and racist, it's openly sexist and misogynist. And then we get to the end and it just seems to revel, just deeply revel in, hey, here's this terrible killer, yeah, T he L O L. And, man, ah, it is brutal. The original story is brutal, and it ends badly. But this movie so faithfully recreates every single soul-crushing moment of those first three or four Sin City graphic novels that I, I literally came out of this, and I, I barely had enough time to sit in the shower rocking and crying for 11 hours before I had to go to work the next day. So... If you love Sin City, great. I'm not judging you. You do what you do. Everybody loves their thing. I like Condor Man, but when as Peter Griffin once said, it insists upon itself, Lois, it insists upon itself and boy, whatever it is that Sin City is insist upon is just the antithesis of whatever it is that I like in the universe and you know now I need a hug.
0: All right. Well, uh, my number one, I think uh, we did uh, Mystery Movies, I think, the last time. And I love is it a good... Mystery Men? No, it's not Mystery Men. Um, although, I I don't know if everybody likes that movie. I think it's kind of so-so and may even I may think not that's be that a, good.
3: Uh, mystery Men is very much a cult movie. Yeah, a yeah. Lot, lot, like, people, the people that like it really like it, but not everybody likes it.
0: Yeah.
2: And the people that don't like it probably barely even heard of it. Yeah.
0: So when it comes to mystery movies and when it comes to adaptations of Raymond Chandler's work, the one that consistently rises to the top and I think has a near-perfect Rotten Tomatoes rating is one that I despise. I just can't stand it. And that is the Robert Altman, The Long Goodbye, uh, starring Elliot Gould as, as Philip Marlowe. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it is because uh, Altman never read any of Chandler's books, but only read an S es- a, a book of essays that he wrote and then told everybody, this is, you know, this is what I want you to think about as you're portraying these characters. Um, I don't know if it's because, uh, Elliot Gould kind of mumbles through his lines throughout this entire piece. Uh, I don't know if it's because they moved this from a 1950s setting into a 1973 setting, uh, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not because there's a lot of naked ladies that live across the uh, hallway from, from, uh, Marlo in this piece. It, it's got a lot of abuse. Uh, you know, this, this man, um, Terry, I forget what his name is. Terry, uh, Lennox kills his wife by beating her. And then, uh, Marlo drives him to Tijuana. He suspects that something happened. He thinks they just had a fight. Doesn't suspect that, that, uh, he killed her. But then when he finds out, he's, you know, in all sorts of trouble. It may be because there's, you know, some blackface that goes on with Elliot Gould in, the, in this piece. It just it is something that just doesn't make a lot of sense from a noir detective tale, not even a neo-noir tale. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is a perfect example of Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe on film. And I'm like, no, I think there's a lot better examples of this that are out there. And I have tried to wa- and I've watched this multiple times. So I can try to see because every time someone brings it up and there's some people that I very much respect on on Twitter and in in film uh, circles who are just like, oh, when it comes to detective movies, this is the best movie ever. And I'm like, why? And then they they explain their reasoning why. And then I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to sit down and watch it with these things that you've talked about in mind. And it's like, well, I can see why you like it. But I still hate this movie with a passion. This movie is just gunk to me. And it's. It's not even a good. I mean, the James Garner uh, Marlowe uh, movie is much better than this. But you know, uh, to each their own. And maybe you're someone out there who loves loves the long goodbye with Elliot Gould, and you wanna you wanna fire me off an email to say, Stephen, here's why you're wrong about this. Here's why this is the greatest detective movie ever made. This is why they only use the exact same song throughout the entire piece. Uh, yes, I realize it's composed by John Williams, but. And I realize that there's a commentary about, uh, you know, popularity of music being transcribed into all these different formats and how you can just tweak the song and make it fit any uh, type of uh, narrative you want when the scene calls for it. That's fine. If you want to write me those emails, go for it. But you will never convince me that The Long Goodbye is a movie that I will like. And And I just, I know that a lot of people like it. I just don't. And I probably at this point will not see The Long Goodbye again. So the long goodbye, it is the movie that, uh, made me think of this list because again, people were just going off about how, how great a movie it was. And I said, no, I, I don't, I don't agree. Let's do a top five about it. So Rodrigo, you're going to close out the show this week with your number one movie that you dislike, but everyone else loves.
3: All right. Going to close it out with a huge bummer. Um, Okay so my number one movie that everybody loves and i don't at all um is my number one because i have actually yet to encounter somebody who doesn't like this movie and it might be because those of us that don't like this movie don't talk about how we don't like this movie because everybody seems to like it so much uh, for one reason or another or for a thousand reasons um and so we we can't connect because there's just a sea of people that love it um and that movie is logan uh logan uh and and i am talking about the wolverine in the future with xavier and uh, the little x23 baby um logan came out in 2017 um donald trump had been president for a year already and things weren't looking great uh, for Latinos in the United States. Um, So I went to see Logan uh, not realizing that uh, the movie spends a lot of time killing and harming Mexicans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Logan starts out uh, south of the border trying to stay, keep a low profile. And of course, there's like all kinds of uh rough guys trying to get the jump on him and stuff. They're all Mexicans. Then they get beaten up or skewered or whatever. Um then uh later on there's a scene where like the bad guy gets like the entire Mexican army to come out after him. Um and of course you know people get like <laughs> at least that one, you know, they kind of it's it's kind of in the distance that they get blown up. You know it's it's like a car chase. Um uh of course uh the there's the the lady that gets um I forget the little girl's name in the thing Laura Daphne uh well yeah Daphne Keen the actress but uh <laughs> Laura the the little girl uh that lady of course gets massacred and I and I'm watching this movie and then there's like a car accident type thing and somebody pulls up And it's this nice black family. And I'm like, oh my god. They better not do anything to this black family. And do you know what they do to this black family? Terrible. Yes. They do terrible shit to this black family. And I've only seen Logan once. And I probably wasn't in a good emotional place to watch this. But that's all that stuck to me about it. This movie, like writes its glorious um it it writes its glorious narrative on just black and brown bodies right just like this mountain of bodies uh and you know afterwards i you know just kind of had a thousand yard stare the whole time and like my uh my wife you know girlfriend at the time it's just like kind of like You know has one arm around me kind of like pulling me along back to the car and we like drive back and you know i'm just like the whole i'm just like absolutely exhausted by this movie and it sucks that everybody loves it and that nobody really talks about this aspect of it so my number one movie that i hate but everybody else likes is logan
0: all right there you go ladies and gentlemen Oh, very controversial list. I'm sure you're all fired up right now and you're like angry and the steam is coming out your ears like some Looney Tunes. Oh, I forgot to put Space Jam on my on my list. <laughs> um, yeah, so steam's coming out your ears and you want to you wanna vent. You want to scream. How dare you? Let me tell you about some movies that everybody else loves that I hate. I'll get you guys. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to head over to our Discord server. There's a link there in the show notes. And there's actually a, a channel that is just for top five where you can go in and share uh, your thoughts, your reactions to this show. You can read other people's lists and you can even share your list of the top five movies that you dislike that everyone else loves. Why would you do such a thing? I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.